1: And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.
2: We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hello, and welcome along to The Worst Idea of All Time, Episode 2. Tim, Bat, and myself have just finished our second screening of Sex in the City, the movie. Uh, Tim, cannot; Mm. he's currently incapacitated on account of uh, having a piece of toast. What bloody hour is it in your corner of the world, my friend?
0: It's Toast O'Clock, mate. Isn't it always, though? We're dealing with breakfast hours, yeah. I'll tell you what's happened. Let me finish my mouthful before I do. So i tell you what. Boy, if there's one thing I don't want in my ear holes, it's someone chewing. I think I've got that. What's it called? Like myos, myosopia or something? I actually, when I hear people ASMR. chewing, I'm like, no, no guy. Yeah, you love it. You it's secretly different. love it. It's kind of the opposite thing. I actually, you are like, a deeply I can... closeted ASMR freak. I can feel my fist ball up when I hear people chewing in my ear. You hate the thing you crave. Huh? I hate listening. You hate the thing you crave. Mm. Look, here's what's happened. Um, Went to a couple of movies in the New Zealand International Film Festival yesterday, back to back, with my beloved wife. Came home. uh, It was pretty late. And I had to wait for her to fall asleep before I started Sex in the City because, truth be told, she's not as excited as you and I are about um, the voyage beginning once again. So, waited for her to drift off. We're dealing with uh, sort of midnight now. Uh, two and a half hour oh. movie. I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll just, I'll see if I can get maybe like an hour in before I get up, crack off to finish the bugger off. Knock the bastard off, as one of our heroes, Sir Edmund Hillary, said of his nemesis, Mount Everest, which had wronged him <laughs> in the past. <laughs> Most uh, famous nemesis. So I um I, I watched for a little bit and I think I got 10 minutes or maybe 15 and then I think I fell asleep for 10 minutes and then I kind of came to and stopped the phone playing the movie and then um, watched the rest of the movie in the morning. But I missed a bit where Steve admitted to um, having sex with someone else. I just felt bad for him the whole film.
2: That, yeah, I see, because uh, you, you didn't understand what all of the bloody consternation was about. That mm. is, um, that you, you made it deeper than 10 minutes. I mean, here is a man who has learned nothing. I know circumstance, you know, dictates how, how and when you get to watch. Mm. But as recently as the last episode, I remember you bemoaning the fact that, mm-hmm. uh, that you know you'd done this late night watch and it had sort of uh, created an immediate rift between you and the film, and here you are toiling away at 12, 12 a.m.
0: But before go, we you, dig into that, guy, no, hold on. What do you want from me, man? It's a two and a half hour film. Got to figure out some sort of methodology here. I'm not gonna. I I physically can't wake up at six a.m. to watch Sex in the City two. It's unconscionable.
2: I know it's tough it, it is it's upsetting uh, it does it, as it stands with the uh, you know East Coast to New Zealand time difference uh, I do get to watch it in the middle of the day or you know there or thereabouts whereas it is I mean <laughs> your two options neither of which are appealing you can either sully a wonderful date night with your beautiful wife Zoe not happening by uh, this being the last thing that touches you on the way to the way to sleep or you can sort of destroy. The prospective day on your hands by getting up at Sparrow's fart and engaging in some sex in the city. I understand that you're in a tight spot, and I actually respect, you know, uh, the knock an hour off by night, get up, knock an hour and a half off in the morning approach. I think it's uh, it's not unreasonable. Don't quite all this dilly dallying around. uh, I mean, did you feel any better or worse about the movie after the second screening?
0: i just kept thinking of your opinions and attitudes toward the first viewing and i i got a lot more out of the movie i liked it a lot more than i did the first watch i think you're right there's there's a lot of threads going on you know a lot of action a lot of storyline a lot of plot that we're dealing with and unpacking and uh, absolutely I, I came away at the end just thinking dear god whose bright idea was it to make a sequel to this we've got a bow on it we're all good
2: I I yeah I also did confusingly of all though at the end of this screening I sort of wanted almost mm-hmm. not to suffer through the entirety of it but just to revisit the key plot points of Six and the City 2 to just watch how they put the piece you know how what they papered over in between the errors and like how they put the put it together um like cuz there there are a few little thread like Stanford and Anthony I mean yeah I don't know what's happening between them, between this film and the next, but in this film they share a very tepid New Year's Eve kiss just out of convenience. They're the only two pieces of tolerable company at some god-awful party. Uh, But by the time we kick off at the second movie,
0: I mean, as well you know, Tim, they're having a big gay wedding. A big gay wedding. The real centrepiece of the whole film. You can't have a Sex in the City movie without a big old wedding.
2: Uh, I guess this is true. Or, uh, uh, you know... uh, a trip abroad. So um, is your, can I just quickly is,
0: delve before before we go for plot? Can I just quickly delve that. into? Is your point there that uh, you wanted to see a little more Stanford and Anthony? You thought we could take no, no. a little bit more in there? Uh, not necessarily, but there's that. There was the sort of um, uh,
2: the ever mine, ever thine, ever ours. The Ludwig van Beethoven quote. I remember that resurfaces in the second film. Just these little. You know, Drips and drabs, which I feel exist independent of the television series, uh, that, you know, is uh, the the connecting the connective tissue between Sex and the Cities 1 and 2. Samantha's uh, fabulous
0: humping dog.
2: Th- that's right. I figured, what's one more little bitch at the big gay wedding? Like, all these, you know, these little details, um, are, I mean, that, 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 that's all by the by. It it's sort of just, it, it left me, I know I don't want to watch that movie again, but it did leave me curious. Uh, about you know just specifics like i 'd love for <laughs> it 's impossible. the only way I can really get the information I want is to do the research myself but i I just bull headedly refuse before we talk too much about uh the plot Tim, I want to talk about the plot of your life. You said that Zoe was maybe not as enthused by the prospect of digging through another year of the worst idea. Can you please tell me how the conversation went
0: um i won't i won 't uh drag a transcript into the podcast for all and sundry to hear but she cares about me she loves me and she she's worried about me she saw what what happened with the last season of sex in the city too and apart from anything else yeah. it's uh you know it's no small time suck especially because we are uh making some attempt to contract the duration in which we record 52 episodes of, of this this one um below a year so uh hey look in terms of all the things that get thrown into marriage, I'd say this one's this one's fine. This is dandy. Don't you worry about old Timbo. Uh, I, I just you know, I do she's worry. She's worried yeah. for me, mate. She cares about me. Not like you, put me through this. Uh, get me up at sparrow's sparrow's fart to watch fucking Sex in the City. I, I
2: think I feel you know uh we worry about you differently. So you know there, there's a fairness in saying they're not identical. But I worry for you too. I worry, you know, the idea of this uh, tanking your beautiful union. Of course, it's going to send a shiver down my spine. Um,
0: if your marriage can't but, sustain fifty-two watches of sex in the city, then you know that's no kind of life I want to build for myself. <laughs> the ultimate test. So like they say. What do they say? Play Monopoly with your partner before you marry them, because it brings out the worst in people. Unless they just tune out. Some people are just, they, they just don't want to sort of participate. And I respect that. It's like Monopoly, it's not oh, real. I'm just going to down a smoothie while I'm here.
2: Oh, man, you're bloody off to a, you're on a real health kick. What sort of toast did you have for Brecky? Whole grain, bitch. <laughs> Good on you. Uh, any toppings or just a dry bit of warm bread? Just butter, mate. I'm a simple
0: man of simple wants. Shit, you are a simple man. Wasn't your smoothie? We've got raspberries this time because they were on special at the supermarket. A little bit of natural yogurt and a banana. And they're just a little bit of milk, I so see. it's liquidy enough. It's not, not so bad eating.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a much more glamorous smoothie than the toast you were offering. Look, yeah. the first thing I thought when I watched this movie, Tim, uh, was everything feels different and not in a good way. Mm. Uh, that is to say, while I did actually wind up not, not enjoying the film... Uh, I was immediately on edge. Uh, I was oh, nervous. No. <laughs> All the familiar feelings of uh, why we stopped doing this in the first instance came back to me in a, in a real heap. Uh, but there was nothing for it. I thought, you know, mind over matter. Um, I actually learned mind over matter. The most effective teaching of mind over matter I had was from a, a hitchhiker I once picked up. I was driving with a guy named Matt Proctor, Uh, It was just the two of us. Or maybe it was with James Robbins. It's not important. Either way, we were driving between Christchurch and Dunedin. And uh, to whittle away the time, we picked up a guy who was a pretty scary guy, actually, as it turned out. Uh, He had, very visibly, he had a smiley face uh, sort of burned into his arm. And he just kept saying, uh, mind over matter, I don't mind, it don't matter. And that was he was talking about the fact... I was like, wow, man, it looks like you really hurt your arm to get that smiley face on it. And uh, I don't know that's actually how I absorbed the lesson, but it's certainly the first thing I think of when I think mind over matter. I think, you know, I mean, by all means, pick up hitchhikers.
0: You're going to meet some interesting characters, but also be safe out there, everyone. Yeah, that sounds like that man wasn't of sound mind when he got that particular marking on his body. Though that is uh, coming from two gentlemen currently discussing who have... uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son emblazoned on their rear ends. So, you know. That's different. Let he without sin cast the first stone. It is not up for us to debate the permanent markings of other people's bodies. It's true. Uh, but I sort of
2: I, I, I mentally readjusted and wound up having uh, what could be
0: described as an okay time. Um, Well, it's a real fall from grace for Guy Montgomery coming up the track. He started strong, very enthused about the movie, lost a lot of steam in the second lap. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, it is long, isn't it? Two and a half hours is long. Mm. There's no getting around that fact. And it doesn't just make the movie watching experience somewhat arduous. It also makes it quite a logistical, uh, you know, ordeal, trying to fit it into your day. I'm living proof. I'm very bleary eyed at the moment. You're all right. You're making it work. Now, one of
2: the things I sort of used to occupy my pathetic little mind while I was watching the film, Tim, is mm. I uh, was fondly reminiscing on the presence of Coffee Guy mm. in the last film. I remembered he existed. I remembered we dug into uh, the actor Tom Stratford's back catalogue to discover that he actually had uh, a small role, the specifics of which I couldn't recall. Insects yes. in the city, the first yeah. film. Were you looking and out? so I, I put my little, I was looking out for. Him, I put my little fingers to work and dug into the IMDb. He is uh, on the IMDb page, underneath the cast list. He is listed as Elaine's friend, and then uh, in parentheses it says uncredited. So you know you're gonna have to. It's gonna be an eagle-eyed watcher who's gonna get, you know, who's gonna win the race to coffee guy. But I thought, well, you know, uh, by way of a clue or to help me help lead the case, I thought, who is Elaine? Yeah. So I I I searched for the word Elaine amongst the cast list, and lo and behold, there is no Elaine featured in the cast list for this movie. Wow. How is it possible for a <laughs> character to be listed as Elaine's friend when they don't even deem Elaine? You know the the prime the primary defining factor for for the secondary character is that they know Elaine, and yet Elaine is somehow
0: absent from the credits. This is some skull and bones bullshit. I mean, I, I, what have
2: you stumbled I, 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 across here, mate? I don't know. First of all, I was you know I, I can't find hide nor hair of coffee guy. But secondly, what sort of scrub job are we looking at where the entire presence of Elaine in Sex and Sex in the City has been erased? They're burning their books. This is what Orwell predicted in 1984. This is Aldous Huxley's brave new world.
0: Guy, you know that I've often, seasons gone by, uh, wanting to drill into the Hollywood accounting practices of these films. I suspect Elaine is some sort of... Uh, tax dodge like a shell company cast member if you will <laughs> i reckon if we look through the um payroll of this film we're gonna see a lot of background actors getting uh, look i don't know how much you get to be on a feature film four thousand dollars five thousand dollars sounds it seems ballpark, high park something around there and then we're going to come to elaine who no one's quite sure which scene she's in and the cast member playing elaine uh will be receiving the princely sum of eighty million dollars, it's a total tax ah. dodge. They're siphoning off funds. Elaine is an acronym.
2: And what what does it stand for?
0: Alleviating. <laughs> <laughs> lovely <laughs> emoluments. Now, a. Yeah, didn't quite stick the landing on the acronym. I haven't quite put all the pieces together yet, Guy, but I feel like this is what's happened. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You can't have Lane's friend without Elaine. That's right. I mean, what have you got then? You've got a stranger.
2: Uh, certainly, if it is a tax dodge, it might go some ways to explaining why on earth this man is consuming such an unholy amount of caffeine. He's anxious. He's nervous. He's on the run. He's looking over <laughs> his shoulder. He's not a comfortable guy. Um Coffee. Also, for reference, yeah, I mean, you're on the lamb,
0: get it in you. You really didn't stick the
2: landing on the acronym, but I I like the theory and I like where your head's at. Uh, Ample room for exploration. I just find it so weird. And then I started thinking, well, did Tom write his own? I mean, because who's going to dig into it this much, you know? Like, it's just tidier on the curriculum vitae, on your resume, if it says Sex in the City 1 and 2. It's kind of punishing or humiliating if you're only associated with the second, which was both a critical and no, it was probably not a commercial failure. Uh, so I, I'm starting to ask questions about Tom's motivation. You know, well, this, this, I mean, look,
0: this is this is fabulous stuff. Season one of the worst idea of all time. Guy Montgomery and Tim Batt watch the worst idea, uh, watch our grown ups 52 times to try and drill into the acting performance of Patrick Schwarzenegger, and then launch the brand nationally and internationally of blaze pizza a fantastic franchise season two sees the boys jumping back into the well this time for sex in the city two to try and figure out once and for all what that guy in the back is up to where's he going he's drinking far too much coffee for his own good season three i mean look what happens when you piss into the wind i guess was the answer for that one and in this fourth season an investigation continues Is coffee guy in this film? Only we have the ability to figure this out now. We've got a great opportunity here. It's
2: true. I mean, and the prospect of searching for him uh, far and wide is is both exciting and overwhelming to me. It's it's no small amount of work we've carved out for ourselves. I did pause um, the movie at one point because I thought, well, you know, where's he going to show up? Presumably a restaurant or a cafe Anywhere he's got immediate and efficient access to a large amount of caffeine When Carrie tells her friends that she's engaged to big And Charlotte gets overwhelmingly excited And sort of makes a a screaming sort of noise And the entire restaurant grinds to a halt Mm. I was uh, combing through the background of frame High and low, far and wide uh, But I could not see the man I did find, I mean, some seriously entertaining pieces of extra acting uh, <laughs> and she? took an, a, a very good screenshot that I will send to you. Uh, special mention must go to a man who is not Coffee Guy, but looks like he's either been stood up by or is waiting for Coffee Guy in the far right corner of the restaurant. He is um, upset, would be one word you could use to describe him. Uh, while everyone else has pl- plastered on a huge smile to express enthusiasm for Carrie's engagement to the man she's been dating for 10 years, this guy is going through the motions in a big way.
0: <laughs> cool. I look forward to seeing him in my next watch.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got, I mean, I've, I've got him frozen in perpetuity right here. I'm just looking him in the eyes right now. He's scared of something, man. I don't know what he's running from. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you think's going on there, guy? Take a stab in the dark. Your guess is probably better than most people's.
2: Well, the idea of going out for a meal by yourself can be quite a relaxing prospect. I myself enjoy it thoroughly. Mm. Uh, But that doesn't guarantee that every time you do it, you're going to have the relaxing or reflective time that you might have hoped for. You know, occasionally your mind can take you down cul-de-sacs that you don't care to walk down. And it looks to me like this guy's uh, meal alone has gone from a moment of joy to... I don't know. Like maybe the news of the engagement has uh, triggered memories of why he's eating alone, and he's sort of remembering uh, the wrongs he's committed that have prevented him from accessing true love in his long life. That's so uh, sad. Yeah, maybe he knows something that Charlotte York doesn't. Maybe he knows Mister Big and is aware that this is a guy who has a, a shady relationship with marriage, and you know uh, he he can't express you know unadulterated enthusiasm for Carrie because. He knows things might not end as well as they'd hope. Maybe he
0: is the brother of Big second wife. Oh yeah, that sounds likely. Second Uh, wife out of three is has got to be, or second spouse out of three has got to be a pretty unpleasant place in the mantle to occupy, eh? Like first wife, marriages don't don't work out. You know, shit happens. You marry. Someone doesn't doesn't turn out to be right. It, you know, that happens. You get married again. Doesn't work out. It's like, oh man, gutted. And then your person goes to the third and then you're the second. It's like, this is the worst. You weren't their first love. You went to the third. In my head, for some reason, you said on the third person for the rest of your life irrespective of what happens inside of the relationship. Uh, three strikes and you're out, as they say. But that's second spot, a, man. I wouldn't want it. Yeah, But there's,
2: no you don't know it, do you? You don't know it going in. like with yeah. high, you're, you're talking about with hindsight, obviously. Because any time that someone's going into a marriage, and this is for a man who's not been married before, I'm talking, of course, to a newlywed still basking in the afterglow of his blessed union, uh, you, you've probably got a pretty strong feeling that this is a relationship you'd like to commit to.
0: Well, unless you're a Elaine. In which case, there are certain financial structures that the state of New York can grant you once you are in a legally recognized relationship vis-a-vis a marriage.
1: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be, to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com/results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/results. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness.
2: I see. So, Elaine, the acronym uh,
0: is also represented by some sort of, you know, physical entity. Guy, there's a lot going on in it. You know, we, we're just we're really just poking around the sides at the moment. It's going to take a while to f- <laughs> really figure this thing out. A lot of bits of paper, a lot of blue tack, a lot of string. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of details to put together. I don't
2: know why conspiracy th- theorists seem to think that string is such a vital component in getting to the bottom of a case.
0: Like <laughs> It is absolutely essential. <laughs> I don't know. It always stresses me out. It's, uh, it's, you, you can't have a good theory without string, eh? And things have got to be on a wall. I do, I do get that. It's good to have something visually out there. You kind of get the yeah, stuff yeah. out of your head. You put it in a physical space to represent what's going on, so you can really take a good look at it. Take a step back and say, when was the last time I had a shower? Right. Let's tend to that. And then you get back there and you get your ball of yarn and you go, okay, this connects to this thing and this to this. I reckon that's where string theory comes from. You're aware, of the, you know, from physicists. Yeah, I, well, I don't they, know about
2: string theory. What is it? They
0: st- they st- oh no one <laughs> no one understands it. I say that because I don't understand it. It's got to do with the theory when you get to the quantum level about how stuff actually sort of operates and what's it what what the the whole fabric of the universe is made of. Yeah, I think it's similar to like what is it or uh, is light a wave or a or a particle? You know, it's both. It's, I don't know. We're operating
2: well theory. outside my mental jurisdiction right now.
0: Both of you and I. How'd you do in science in high school, Guy? Were you good at it? Uh, No. Tim, science
2: was comfortably one of my worst subjects. I was all right at biology. Physics, I took such a little interest in, I just literally stopped going to the classes. Mm. And chemistry, I got 25% in my year 10 chemistry exam. Uh, Not great. I actually wrote a letter to the teacher, Mr. Harwood, uh, on the exam paper saying I did not remember uh, being taught uh, some of these materials in class. And with hindsight, I see how Mr. Harwood read that as a criticism of his teaching. It was meant to be sort of a self-reflective piece of criticism towards my attitude towards learning chemistry. Suffice it to say, I was called into the deputy headmaster's office for insubordination and had to do something called a Saturday night detention, where I reset what? exactly the same exam at 6pm in one of the boarding houses. Uh, you'll be pleased to hear I studied quite hard for that, and I scored 37% on literally the same <laughs> test.
0: 37. Guy, well done you. I'll tell you what, mate. <clears throat> You didn't quite double your score, but what well, you got about half as much again on top of. It's pretty good. Well, I 50% know. 50%
2: improvement. Cumulatively, yeah, we're talking about, uh, what, like a 62% exam result here? Of course, they didn't oh, say okay. it that way. You're 62, at, I 62 doesn't come out of... Yeah, yeah. But they, then apparently, according to the mathematicians at the school, you've got to add the, the hundreds together as well. So it's not 62 out of 100. As I pleaded. <laughs> uh it's not important look
1: i'm did in new york tell, god knows where I, mr
0: harwood is did i ever tell you about the letter i wrote to a uh, an exam marker on the on the uh, on the exam paper you did not i got i was bored it was classic you know little shits during 15 year old timbo but the new system had come in they changed how they assess high school students in new zealand new system had come in no one quite knew what was going on we were still shaking it down and, and trying to bed it in a bit they gave me an exam paper i think it was for um what subject was it for i can't even remember and it, it had a bit the first page said this page has intentionally been left blank and is to be used for your working it will not be assessed but then Here comes the f- tim bat on the, on the front of the paper, it said um, it had a whole bunch of rules, and one of the rules was you may not communicate with your marker. So I wrote a letter to the marker on that page because I wanted to see what rule would win. I think I failed and? the paper. But I, I can't remember if that was a general lack of academia um, or something related to the note. Uh, that is quite... like You're operating on quite a high level of
2: philosophical experimentation there where it's like, I mean you're creating a, a an unholy amount of legwork if they side with the idea that you've tried to communicate with the marker and therefore you will fail the paper. But mm. as a purely philosophical question, it does raise an interesting you know, uh, issue of whether or not they have a right to fail you on account of a piece of paper they have specifically outlined, you will not be graded on.
0: Yeah, I would be tempted to say that no one gave a shit. Um, that seemed to be the oh, general kn- mood of assessment. You fa- remember one- so you mean
2: to tell me... You failed
0: independently of the letter you wrote, I believe so. I believe uh, from memory that that may well have been the case. I didn't fail a lot of things though. It was pretty hard to actually fail stuff under the NCA regime. I remember one time I did got I got a letter from the um, Ministry of Education to our high school because they, my media studies teacher, uh, very fond of me, thought I was a bright boy, and he put me in the scholarship exam for it, and I went in took one look at the first question of the paper um very complicated i was way out of my depth and uh i stood up in my seat and i said fuck this and walked out and um i got a note back to the school saying that i was disrupting other people which is quite fair enough like there's there's no need for that truly there wasn't
2: I yeah but I understand cuz by that point you you you're literally on your way out the door uh, at high school I remember when I finished my last high school exam I did a big chahoo on my way out the door Fabulous. uh I didn't get reprimanded for that but you know rest assured who it was a big chahoo uh one or two of the other pupils undoubtedly would have looked up from their papers to see who was chahooing Uh, But so swiftly did I move, they probably only saw my ankles. Uh, Famous as they were, very difficult to identify someone from their ankles.
0: Everyone knew Guy Montgomery's ankles, though, because you were so fast. You were constantly... People were whipping around to see what that flash was. You're only going to get the ankles. Just heading out the door. Last thing you see. The only thing you see. It's too quick.
2: That's right. Um, We're really meander down a a side road here should we get things back on track tim and uh, the best way i know how because there's so much to unpack here like i like i said i've got reams of notes left over from the first screening i've got you know uh manuscripts absolutely fucking filled to
0: filled to the corners of the page with observations and questions of course you're right guy as as per usual i'm sorry you go what, one, of the, one of the things
2: I want to talk with you about, and I'd be interested to know if you've noticed it, is uh, in one of the scenes when Carrie and Big, it's early doors, You know, they're still very much smitten by one another, uh, are climbing into bed. Carrie does say, and look, I understand that the fashion is a huge part of what made this show what it is, but she's climbing into bed with a clutch, quite a long pearl necklace, uh, sort of reaching down towards her midriff, I would almost say, as mm. she gets into bed drives me insane uh, and and also worries me. Like, maybe, I understand maybe a necklace that's slightly closer to, uh, you know, that, that, that's shorter because it's it's got less free reign and that, you know, the, the, the field of movement it has is, is restricted and so it's not going to be obstructive or annoying. But it, this is, frankly, a choking hazard. What and, bit of the movie uh,
0: is this in? I'm trying to place this fashion
2: idea. Uh It's sort of, it's, it's early on um after they've maybe bought the apartment and they've been she's been peeling corn and saying she wants to contribute to the apartment and they climb into bed and uh she's trying to read a library book which is uh you know the greatest love letters ever written
0: yeah i think i'd uh, uh, that was snooze time for me this this watch unfortunately won't happen again
2: oh a little window you missed uh well anyway uh uh, you know, it probably made for a more relaxing screening because the whole time I was thinking, is this a one of? Is she going to take those pearls off? These are questions that go unanswered. But I mean, I don't even know. Do you?
0: I don't wear jewelry. Does? But it's not. It's not really yeah. worn to bed, is it? Surely not. You're not going to wear a pearl necklace to bed. I mean, you'd wake up with a bunch of indentations in your neck for one thing. You get a, a very bad sleep for another. And thirdly, what if it gets sort of caught in something and you, you break your necklace? The pearls for crying oh, out what, loud.
2: What got me, it was so long.
0: Like it could have easily wrapped around her neck. You know anyway, what... That's um, my concern. You know what uh, the, the loveliest bit of being in bed with someone where you just sort of tuck, tuck your arm around their neck. How's oh, that yeah. going to play when you're wearing a uh, pearl necklace? That's true. Bad uh, fall involved.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, anyway, it's something for you to look out for in the in the weeks moving forward. It's looking forward to it. It's a, a, a minor quibble, but one that uh, I went to the trouble of you know underlining uh, to remind me that I need I need talk about it. Holy hell! Sorry, I'm talking to you in headphones, and my phone just started ringing uh, loud and clear through them as I was receiving oh. a phone call from a man named Craig. I have chosen to decline it.
0: Oh, I see. Well, apologies to Craig. He'll be all right.
2: I'm just going to message Craig to say I'll call him back.
0: All right, sure. Well, I'm going to assume you're not listening to this bit, which is totally fine. The shining light of this watch for me is the sheer amount of guacamole, which Samantha has plowed onto a corn chip while she is surreptitiously watching her very sexy neighbor taking his bathing suit off. It is so much guac. The first chip, you look at it and you're like, she's loaded that thing up. She's gone to town on the Avo. And then we cut to the surfer man, to Dante, famous for Dante's Peak, of course. And then we cut back to a salivating Samantha, and she has somehow bested her initial offering by putting even more guac on another chip. Puts it in her mouth, impressively, does get the vast majority of it in, but such is the amount of guac that there's actually just a tiny little corner um, that gets on her mouth, uh, on the side of her mouth, that doesn't quite fit in. So much it's, guac, it's a, guy.
2: It's a brilliant piece of visual storytelling. What it is, is a visual metaphor for her sexual desire and uh, appetite for Dante's Peak. The guacamole is so much more than an avocado based dip. Uh, from Mexico. It is uh, her her ovaries really exploding at the prospect of just fucking this guy's brains out.
0: She wants some of that peak. Like Sir Edmund Hillary against his nemesis, which he took to bed. Mount well, Everest. Act, that's true. There is an adversarial sort of
2: underpinning to her relationship to Dante because, you know, it's a temptation that she does her best to resist. To her credit, don't you think? Samantha goes through a lot of personal growth in this film. We know that she's a horn dog. Uh, She deals with her relationship to Smith Jarrett and, uh, you know, the
0: difficulties contained therein, I think, with a lot of grace and dignity and respect. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's why I want a Samantha movie. I really do. She's so good in this film. That's why she was my shining light last week. She she puts up this defense in the film everyone who's not guy where she's so tempted to fuck the brains out of her neighbor but she's obviously inside of a relationship with the man who looked after her during years of chemotherapy that she decides how she'll alleviate this or or sort of make sure that she doesn't do anything to jeopardize the relationship is just gain a lot of weight so she just starts eating and eating or at least that's kind of what we're told by the movie There's a shot of her returning to New York City because she's now based in Los Angeles so she can look after Smith's career, you know, better. Um, And she she comes back for... Is it the baby shower? For Charlotte's baby shower? And she walks in the door, Carrie's old apartment, and there's a shot on her midriff and everyone looks really shocked. And in the first viewing of this film, I didn't even kind of figure out what was going on, but it turns out that... um, According to the movie, what we're seeing on screen of her midriff is like a disgusting amount of overarching stomach, far far in excess of what is acceptable um,
1: for a fifty year old woman
0: I'll, about town. I was like, "That's that's that's fine. It's a it's a normal human." You know, I valley. was exactly the same. I sort of
2: missed it uh, last time, and then when I saw it today, I was like, "Why?" I was like, "That's a weird shot." Yeah. It's sort of got her her cleavage and a tiny bit of her stomach in it. I'm like, and then you get a reaction shot of Carrie being like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "Has Samantha had a boob job in this movie that we've That's, missed?" That is exactly all, what I
0: thought last watch as well. Because and then someone they someone's tracked a bra on there to kind of draw your attention away from what the filmmakers intended. Her breasts look fantastic, but apparently we're supposed to be looking at this uh, this this gut. Yeah, it wasn't it's not even that big. I, I, guy. It's not even that
2: big. It's not even that interesting. And then they're kind of, I mean, you know, it's its a gentle roasting, but it's a roasting all the same. They're really giving her a little bit of their minds about the fact that she's, uh, as they say, let herself go. Carrie does one of her trademark sort of, uh, you know, observational quips or puns where she says, What does your gut tell you? And everyone yeah. laughs a little too hard at that. There's another moment. Uh, I mean, I tell you what can I just quickly while we're talking about Carrie's uh comic sensibility yeah she did the obviously she did the uh when big colors he really stays inside the lines line again outside and the lines uh, outside the lines what it, it, it was somehow even more uncomfortable this week <laughs> um see because it's like when big colors it's and there's so much there's uh, lust i I don't know what it is in her voice when big colors the lot like and then what i I can only imagine is 40 minutes of the film's runtime as she pauses for comic and lusty effect (laughs) and then she then says uh he really cocks an eyebrow stays inside the lines You then see Samantha and Charlotte laughing along at the joke, you know, but not in a way where they they get it and they laugh at how funny or wry the observation is. They're laughing along in the way you laugh when your friend has said something that might be witty and either you haven't quite understood it or they've slightly misspoken, but it's of the moment and you're already laughing so it's too embarrassing to
0: stop. I love Uh, those moments. It's when everyone recognises that the format of humour has been laid bare in the conversation. No one quite gets what the joke was, what the intended sort of punchline or, you know, what the bit of humor was. But we understand that what you've presented is the format of a joke. So we shall laugh. That is exactly what it is. Uh,
2: and it, it's, I mean, but that, uh, you know, in your day-to-day term, I'm fine with that. Whatever. This is a movie. This is a comedy movie. Do another take, you reckon? Do another take. <coughs> like the the si- it's this it's the lingering silence afterwards which tells me either she's in in not giving an answer a straight answer to the question of how much sex her and big have but instead this vague innuendo uh she's revealed too much or she's made her friends uncomfortable unlikely or the more likely answer is she's made a joke which as you say follows the format and structure of joke telling but is largely incomprehensible and Charlotte and Samantha are just laughing it off until the conversation deviates elsewhere.
0: Guy, did you have a shining light this watch? Have you, uh, you sort of expressed believe somewhere in this combo?
2: You better believe I did. Um, and it, it, it goes to uh, the great Harry Runkle. Uh, not even for a Runkle Crunkle but for his... Uh, the guy. This guy is a real workhorse when it comes to ADR. Uh that I, I, I observed at first when in uh, an establishing scene early on, he's at, the, he's at the table with Charlotte and their daughter and he uh, feeds one of the dogs a little bit of food mm-hmm. and he says, don't tell anyone. And it's sort of just an atmospheric throwaway line that is yeah. uh, it doesn't do anything to move the story forward. It just sort of establishes some of Runkle's characteristics. He's a cheeky guy. He loves his pets. It, it, it plays really well. And I thought that was nice. I wonder if he had to go into a booth to do that because you don't necessarily see his his mouth saying the words exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, not half an hour later, or when they're at the engagement, uh, the rehearsal dinner at the restaurant. By the way, there's a restaurant we went to. Did you remember that? No, no way. Yeah, on the on the Sex and the City tour uh, that Jill from Time Out New York organized with us, we drove around on the bus and saw all the sights. Uh, we visited and walked through that exact space and restaurant.
0: Holy shit, You're
2: right, but uh, when when they're outside after the the dessert and they're all smoking, again in ADR presumably, or uh, you know it's a bit of atmospheric audio while they build up to the actual action of the scene, you hear the great Runkle saying there's nothing like an illegal Cuban cigar after dinner. Which yes. is just such such a funny sentence. Like it's just so matter of fact, you know. It's it's uh, it's just a, it's a it's it's a dream to me. I um, love
0: that the flagrant disregard for rules and regulations. That is what the upper echelon enjoy. They know they're not going to be prosecuted. It's a Cuban. It's yeah, bloody simple wealth.
2: I loved it so much, um, and. So yeah, his his performance in the in the audio booth uh, really took my breath away this week. Also, I'd like to say that cu- cu- did you did you see the cigar smoking stuff this 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 watch? No, I may have may have been asleep for that one too. I'm sorry. That's okay. You, may, I mean, you did miss a a, a a girthy chunk of the film. No, I don't think smoke- I
0: did. I don't think I did. I think there's a lot that's packed into that, like sort of twelve or so minutes. I really do think that. But I will I will check on the next viewing, which won't be far um, away.
2: But they're all smoking the cigars, and then Steve shows up to, you know, because he feels so awful about having cheated on and trying to apologize to uh, Miranda. And uh, Miranda says a bit of privacy, because she's also out huffing down a cigar with the lads. It's Big, Runkle, and Smith Jarrett. She says, a bit of privacy, please. She doesn't move. They all sort of go back inside. This is not 10 seconds after Runkle has said there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like an illegal Cuban cigar after dinner. Presumably, these cigars are still, you know, very much a go. You, yeah. No one chugs down a cigar in less than a minute. I mean, less than fifteen seconds, even. And they go, yeah, and then they all march back inside an area where it's been established they can't smoke. Otherwise, they'd be smoking them in there. What are they going to do? But, Stuff these, you know, half-burned, flaming cigars into their pockets and stink out their suits and the entirety of the restaurant that evening?
0: I they don't, have, I don't they, know if I don't know if this is uncouth, but we. I I enjoy a cigar, you know, at a special occasion. Probably not as expensive as what these big boys are chomping their teeth down onto, but um, I you know you put them out, you can save them, save them for later. It's a lot of a lot of shit to get through if you try and knock one off in a single sitting. But I'm with you; it's um, it does beg the question: what are they doing with those cigars? They just put them out on their hands, or what? Can I don't I, know, um, but also yeah.
2: It also, just quickly, while we're, while we're at, at, at this part of the film, in this locale specifically, mm-hmm. I understand that Miranda's desire to have a private conversation with Steve about, you know, their relationship and uh, the, the, the pains contained within it, but her idea of privacy is asking the people she knows to move, and then having a very raw and honest discussion, literally in the entranceway to a popular and trendy restaurant in Soho, yeah. Uh just go 510 meters down the road yeah you don't need to tarnish other people's nights with the intensity of your feelings uh, you also aren't going to be able to uh, you know communicate open it's 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 a it's a courtesy thing uh, and while I am an avowed uh, Miranda fan mostly from sustained exposure in sex in the city too when she's the only person with a shred of empathy yeah. um, it's just a little it's a little thing and it's not a lot I, I don't know that it warrants bringing up but i just wanted to say it
0: yeah well i appreciate you noticing it and noting it down for all time in this immortal record of sex in the city the 2008 film um i am supposed to dash right now to to i've got a sort of an appointment but um there's something that i wanted to uh bring up with you which may sustain through multiple episodes i'm not sure But there is a question which Carrie poses in the film that I would like us to take a stab at, and that is, what else do we know? Here's the scene. Charlotte's just had her baby. Baby Rose is out. Runcles over the moon. Absolutely besotted with this young one. He says, it is my lot in life to be surrounded by beautiful women. Love that line. Love the delivery. Love everything about it. They're in there. Um, there's a brief conversation about Big who took Charlotte to the hospital after her water broke when she gave him heaps after they were in the cafe and had a bit of a -a tete-a-tete and he he ducked out. Carrie says um, that well, today's not about Big. Today is about beautiful baby Rose. We know that she's got Charlotte's hair. What else do we know? And then the scene ends. But I want to know what else do we know about Rose? Because we know a lot about Brady. And we know a lot about the trajectory of this future rat king, but what do we really know about Charlotte's first biologically born daughter, Rose? Well, I mean, how much
2: can you know about a, a, a newborn? Um, again, you, you're delving into the dangerous territory of needing to revisit other materials, namely Six in the City 2, to see you know what sort of development has taken place in the two preceding years or following years. She cries a lot. She does cry a lot. I know that she sort of stretches Charlotte's ability to mother uh, to its to its the limits of its elasticity. Uh, I, I mean, there's there's no reason to to think that this isn't just you know a, a fortunate daughter. Charlotte and Runkle's life in this movie is the only one that appears to be. I mean, when Miranda and Steve get back together, that does. I got goosebumps again. By the way, when I saw that. Um, really I'm starting sweet, to think though. it might have something to do with Al Green's How Can You Mend a Broken Heart playing during the reunion, but uh, my, the hairs on my arm were standing up on end again. Uh, I was overwhelmed by the biology of it. I, I, I think she's got a pretty nice life. I, I mean, some of Charlotte's more neurotic mannerisms. We haven't even spoken about the fact that
0: she shits herself in this movie, which I love. i want to Um, gloss over it it's 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 i don't like people shitting their pants in movies it's a bit much for me it was my least favorite bit of bridesmaids as well which was a film i otherwise really loved But i was like god damn it i just wish that bit wasn't there i love it it's funny shit is funny
2: (laughs) it's also responsible
0: for dragging carrie out of her slump exactly i was going to say it's a very good plot device um, it's, it's used to good effect in this film look I really I should dash but I just want to posit that it is possible that Rose is a gifted child um, and has some sort of power that we're not quite aware of yet but I'm sure we'll ex- explore that in future episodes I'd like to thank there's this, no rush this episode's sponsor guacamole um, guacamole is the perfect dip when you're trying not to have a extra um, relationship affair if that's the term Chuck some guacamole extra me- in your
2: gut. Uh, yeah, I guess it's true, actually. Uh, you know, put it, put it in, put it in an orifice. Put your dick in it. It's guacamole. It's there for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else you want to add on the tail end of the second watch of hopefully fifty-two of Sex in the City, guy?
2: I just want to say congratulations to Jonathan Philly and Dana Robin, the unit production managers. God knows what a job they did on set, uh, but they certainly did a good enough job to warrant first billing as the credits rolled. And I thought, wow, for a couple of unit production managers, you just know that's massive. So um, my sincere congratulations to them.
0: Well done, guys. Big big congrats from me also. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye, Tim.
1: We just
2: have a good rhythm together. You know, he sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And
1: uh, we go for it.